0: Almost daily now we hear something new about the effects of climate change. But one of the more interesting things from a scientific perspective is the fact that global warming is not uniform. Europe is warming faster than the US, Canada is warming twice as fast as other parts of the globe, and the Arctic is warming four times faster than the rest of the planet. And global warming is producing some widespread effects many of which we are just starting to understand. But it is the effects in the Arctic that are particularly concerning. But despite that, many people still treat this as an opportunity to exploit new resources. So why the sudden interest in what is formerly considered a no man's land and how will those changes affect us all? So stay tuned for episode 142 The Race for Arctic Resources. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick. The man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 142, which is called The Race for Arctic Resources. Sometimes one of the most interesting and unfortunate part of our human nature is that despite dire circumstances, someone is always trying to turn a profit. Because on one hand, scientists and environmentalists issue dire statements about how the world is falling apart around us, while on the other hand someone is always looking to exploit a new opportunity. So I've always questioned if constant economic growth is sustainable and what the outcome will be if we continue in that direction. This sort of economic model produces constant environmental pressure, habitat loss, and species extinction. And yet, that is the direction that we humans insist on pursuing. So instead of figuring out a way to reduce our need for resources and easing the pressure on the planet, we're always finding new ways to come up with more. And such is the case in the Arctic. So what exactly is going on in the Arctic and how will that affect us all? Well, from a scientific perspective, I do find it interesting that global warming is not uniform by any means. It has become increasingly obvious that some regions of the Earth are warming faster And that is especially the case in the Arctic. The Earth is now 1.1 degrees Celsius warmer compared to pre-industrial temperatures, but a recent study concluded that the Arctic is actually warming four times faster than the rest of the planet and has been doing so over the last 43 years. So why is that exactly? And although this is not exactly the best of news for us, and certainly not for the Arctic, I still find it a little bit interesting just simply because this is actually a natural phenomenon that's being promoted by human activity. And it really mostly has to do with the sea ice. So when the sea ice is covered with a layer of snow, it tends to reflect about 85% of solar radiation back into space. But the opposite is actually what happens with the oceans, which actually absorb about 90% of solar radiation. So when the Arctic is covered with ice and snow, it reflects most of the solar radiation. But as the sea ice melts, it creates a feedback loop, which results in even more warming. So with less sea ice, solar absorption rates increase. This causes even more ocean warming, which in turn causes more sea ice to melt, which causes even more ocean warming. And this little feedback loop is what is known as Arctic amplification, and it explains why the Arctic is warming at at a much faster rate. But there are also some other important climate components in the Arctic that we need to be concerned about. And one of those in particular that is concerning is the condition of the permafrost, which is a permanently frozen layer of the Earth's surface. So each summer, the upper portion of the permafrost thaws, and this is referred to as the active level. And as temperatures in the Arctic increase, the amount of the active layer that thaws each summer deepens. So this in turn increases the biological activity in this layer, which releases even more carbon into the atmosphere. And it's estimated that the Arctic permafrost contains enough carbon dioxide to raise global temperatures by more than three degrees Celsius. So if permafrost thawing accelerates, there is the potential for a runaway positive feedback loop called the permafrost carbon time bomb. And the release of previously stored carbon dioxide and methane would contribute to further warming in the Arctic and of course accelerate future permafrost thawing. So essentially we have two independent feedback loops occurring in the Arctic, and both of which are tending to potentiate the changes that are already occurring at a very rapid rate. But while climate scientists are carefully watching and modeling the potential devastating effects of these changes, the world's greatest powers are very busy exerting the age-old rules of sovereignty. And that means the first person to plant the flag controls the resources as long as they can defend them. And as the polar ice in the Arctic melts at an unprecedented rate, the world's largest economic powers are eyeing the region as a no-man's land that's up for grabs that contains enormous amounts of buried treasure. Conservative efforts is that the Arctic contains about 13 percent of the world's undiscovered oil, 30 percent of its undiscovered gas, as well as an overabundance of uranium, rare earth minerals, gold, diamonds, and fisheries, of course. A U.S. Geological Survey report that was published in 2008 estimated that the Arctic could hold as much as 90 billion barrels of oil, 669 trillion cubic feet of natural gas and 44 billion barrels of natural gas liquids. And if this estimate holds true, then the value of Arctic resources would be in the trillions of dollars. And of course, understandably, these dollar figures caught the attention of national governments that already hold territory in the Arctic Circle. Because having access to these fossil fuels would improve national security. It would diversify national energy supplies and reduce the dependence on resources that historically have originated from troubled regions of the globe. And these resources are of particular interest to world leaders because existing resources in other areas of the planet are scarce or difficult to extract. And consequently, there is a race to lay claim and exploit the resources in the Arctic because everyone wants them. But besides those valuable resources, there are also several other things that are at stake. There's now competition for trading routes because current forecasts suggest that the Arctic Ocean will be ice-free in the summer by 2040. And two new sea routes, that being the North Sea Route and the Northwest Passage, are already under development. And for exporters that are moving bulk goods from Asia to the West and Europe, this could reduce shipping distances as much as 40%. And this is economically significant because 90% 90% of the world trading is moved by sea, and presently fewer than 100 vessels a year use the North Sea Route. But China is already looking to increase their movement of goods to as many as to 300 vessels by the middle of the next decade. And of course, there is already tension between the major powers over sovereignty of these new routes. And perhaps that tension is the reason that there is also a race for supremacy. So with the Arctic sea ice melting, new land is opening up as well. And this of course opens up the gates to new development. Because Russia is already building several new bases on the northern coastal settlements as well as several islands, and other countries with land in the Arctic, such as the US and Canada also find it easier to build and operate new naval and air bases in the Arctic. And additionally, large-scale military exercises by both Russia and the U.S. are becoming routine. And both sides are even developing new icebreakers which would be important for military superiority in the Arctic climate. And then, of course, China is also vying to gain a role in the Arctic and many officials feel as, this, feel as if this could undermine international rules and norms. And China is certainly guilty of exhibiting predatory economic behavior elsewhere in the world and many think their government will repeat this behavior in the Arctic. And it is truly hard to believe that there are now spy planes that fly over the Arctic because this region is quickly becoming one of the most heavily militarized regions on the planet. But there are other things to be concerned about because melting sea ice has also created new opportunities in the fishing industry. And due to the lack of the sea ice, fishing vessels can now follow the migratory patterns of some fish species, because fishing vessels can venture further north for longer periods of time. And this could actually mean an economic boon for certain countries. So for example, 90% of Greenland's export revenue is generated from fishing, and while cold water shrimp is a traditional export, fishermen are now catching bluefin tuna and mackerel. And of course, as you could have guessed, there is now a new race to increase tourism. Because as the Arctic sea continues to recede, the cruise ship industry is looking to expand their routes. And just recently, a mega ship with 6,000 passengers actually sailed to a tiny Norwegian Arctic port. And such cruises offer authentic experience of the local culture and the northern lights, all of which now made are now made more valuable due to the disappearing glaciers in the Arctic. But as you may know by now, because I have said this before, traveling by cruise ship more than triples your environmental impact. And such voyages into a fragile region only contributes to the very pollution that is accelerating climate change. And the reason for that is that heavy fuel oil is commonly used in the shipping industry because it is cheap. However, it is dirty fuel that is much more difficult to clean up in the cold Arctic waters compared to more expensive and lighter fuels. And that is not to even mention the potential safety concerns. Because expansion of tourism into the Arctic region that were previously frozen will most likely lead to the use of vessels that are ill-equipped for the harsh conditions. So just imagine the sheer scale of what could happen if a ship carrying 7,000 passengers actually ran aground in the Arctic. So here is the thing to consider. We received our first warning of potential climate change 127 years ago. And still today, people live in denial because many politicians refuse to accept that truth. And likewise, who would have ever thought the ice in the polar regions would actually melt? And consequently, no one really knows what to do. But climate change is now dealing us a double punch. There are few international treaties over who owns what and where, and the retreating ice not only makes it easier to deploy the implements of modern warfare, it also increases the potential economic activity in the region, and thus the race for supremacy. And furthermore, in a somewhat weird twist of irony, it is the very oil and mining companies that are responsible for a great deal of the climate change that now stand to reap the greatest share of the profits as a result of a warming world and a melting Arctic. Because billions of dollars have already been invested for new mining and extraction projects in several places in the Arctic. But considering the potential devastating global effects produced by the melting Arctic, perhaps the only race that we should focus on is actually saving it if we can. But it is sad to say that there are many people who believe that that time has already passed. This new flurry of activity in the Arctic has the potential of furthering the already devastating effects of climate change. And if the ice keeps melting, we're not only looking at rising sea levels, but also the further destruction of natural habitats and the destruction of local communities. And in another little fateful twist of irony, it's actually the massive cost of staving off the worst of climate change that's also the major barrier to any effort to prevent it. However, if you look at things historically, we are already paying the toll whether we want to or not. Because various weather events and climate disasters, such as hurricanes and droughts and flooding and fires and winter storms, have already led to $2.2 trillion in losses since 1980. And all across the U.S., climate change is exacerbating extreme weather events and this extreme events continually cause severe damage to our infrastructure, buildings, roads, cropland, and not to mention the loss of life. And over the last five years there has these billion-dollar disasters have resulted in 765 billion dollars in losses and more than 4,500 deaths. So clearly, the costs of not acting to tackle climate change are much higher than the cost of taking action. And while the cost of potential impacts of climate change have risen, the cost of many of the technologies for tackling climate change have fallen considerably. And the Global Commission on the Economy and Climate concluded that the transition to a low-carbon sustainable economic growth model could actually result in an economic windfall of 26 trillion dollars and create more than 65 million jobs by 2030. So I don't think anyone can guess just how things are going to play off here, but I do know that the policymakers and those politicians That govern so much of our lives rely on economics to guide decision making and central to that task are economic models. So best guesses at this point is the monetary value of resources in the arctic or 17.2 trillion dollars. And while the mining and extraction industries are eyeing the potential benefits of such resources, we have to remember that the key to limiting global warming is decarbonizing the global economy. And this means eliminating the use of fossil fuels as soon as possible, and especially in the Arctic. So while these big companies are eyeing potential windfalls in their profits, in my opinion, it just doesn't make much economic sense if the resources in the Arctic are truly worth 17.2 trillion, when a sustainable economic growth model could result in a windfall of $26 trillion. It only makes sense to those who will reap the profits in the short term, while the rest of humanity suffers the results in the long term. And you know, I think this kind of compares very directly to the fact that ExxonMobil knew back in 1980 the potential devastating effects of climate change and that the best way to avoid that was to reduce the use of fossil fuels. And yet humanity continues to march forward and reach for more. In 2016, the luxury cruise ship Crystal Serenity made history for being the first cruise ship to traverse the Northwest Passage. The ship had more than 1,500 passengers and made the journey from Anchorage, Alaska to New York City in three weeks. And knowing this just emphasizes the fact that if we do not change our course of action, we are perhaps setting ourselves up for yet another titanic failure. This is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.